0: Welcome to another edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. In this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the beginnings of our solar system and eventually our world. But before we get there, the revelators take us back into the far reaches of time when our universe came into being. Authors note, none of it was an accident, as you will soon hear on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. I've been looking forward to this one because I've been delving into part three of the Arantia book recently. And you know, if you are a longtime reader, as am I, that you can read something a million times. And then you read it one more time and, wow, I didn't catch that before. How many times has that happened? Well, it happened to me again while I was reading uh, the beginning of chapter or book three. Of the Urantia book, which talks about our origins, the origin of Urantia, paper 57. So, I want to go through some of that with you and share with you some thoughts about it because it is the most fascinating, I think, probably aside from maybe the fourth part of the book, The Life and Teachings of Jesus, is probably the most fascinating read in the Urantia book. And, as a matter of fact, when I talk to people about reading the book and they ask me where there's a good place to start, I'll say, well, start with part three because that's about your home planet and where it came from. And I, I have to laugh because the authors of this book were so brilliant in their presentation. Exhaustive is another word. They, they went to the exhaustive extremes to explain origins and context. And context is so important. When you think about your short life on Earth, within the context of life itself. So I, I want to delve into this because it's very important, and it helps me at least, maybe it will help you understand not to be so stressed. God is on no time limit, as you will soon see. So to get to the beginnings of the origin of our world, they start with an explanation of everything that came before it. In actuality, they actually talk about the beginnings of Nebadon, after reading again, section 3, what I've learned is that Michael's creation of Nebadon came about from the Andronover Nebula. And a nebula, if you know anything about astronomy, are gaseous aggregations of chemicals that go to make up the creation of solar suns like ours. So here's how they explain the very beginnings of our existence. The Andronover Nebula, paper 57, section 1. Eurantia is of origin in your son, and your son is one of the multifarious offspring of the Andronover Nebula, which was one time organized as a component part of the physical power and material matter of the local universe of Nebadon. Nebadon is the capital universe. Nebadon, just for reference, is the domain of Christ Michael and is comprised. Of 10 million potential worlds of life. And this great nebula took origin in the universe force charge of space in the super universe of Orbenton long, long ago. At the time of the beginning of this recital, the primary force, the primary master force organizers of paradise had long been in full control of the space energies which were later organized as the Andronover Nebula. 987 billion years ago, an associate force organizer and then acting inspector number eleven eight eleven three zero seven 307 of the Orbinton series, traveling out from Uversa, reported to the ancients of days that space conditions were favorable for the initiation of materialization phenomena in a certain sector of the then easterly segment of so you have Orvinton, which is the super universe to which we belong. And you think of a giant pinwheel of clouds. Think of the Milky Way stepping back and looking at the Milky Way. <clears throat> and over in this little section of the easterly segment, there's a vast area of unsettled space. There's nothing there except for basic energy. It hasn't been condensed. There's no gaseous uh, aggregation, none of that is happening yet. So a someone who goes out is, is sent on a mission from the ancients of days and they, and they take this associate, what they call the uh, associate inspector. He goes out or this being goes out and inspects and says, you know what, the, we're ready. We, we could actually start a new universe here. So then, 900 billion years ago, the Uversa archives testified that there was recorded a permit issued by that same Inspector eight eleven three zero seven. 307 So there was a permit on file. Isn't that strange that even in the super universe, they do things kind of the way that we do things? Or maybe it's we do things the way they do things. The Orvinton authorities commissioned the original discoverer of this potential universe to to execute the mandate of the Ancients of Days, calling for the organization of new material creation. The recording of this permit signifies that the Force organizer and staff had already departed from Uversa, which is the capital of our super-universe Uversa, on the long journey to that easterly space sector, where they were subsequently to engage in those protracted activities which would terminate or end in the emergence of a new physical creation in Orbinton. 875 billion years ago, the enormous Andronover Nebula, number 876,926, was duly initiated. Only the presence of the force organizers and the liaison staff was required to inaugurate the energy world which eventually grew into this vast cyclone of space. Subsequent to the initiation of such nebular evolutions, the living force organizers, this is key, simply withdrew at right angles to the plane of the revolutionary disk. And from that time forward, the inherent qualities of energy ensure the progressive and orderly evolution of such a new physical system. At about this time the narrative shifts to the functioning of the personalities of the superuniverse. In reality, the story has its proper beginning at this point. At just about the time the Paradise Force organizers are preparing to withdraw, having made the space energy conditions ready for the action of the power directors and physical controllers of the superuniverse of Warvington. So this is this the stage has been set this Andronover nebula, when they withdrew these, these power force beings, when they withdrew at right angles, they caused the initial plane, the revolutionary disk, to start to spin. And as it spins, it grows larger and larger and larger. Then it continues on, paper 57, section 2, the primary nebular stage. All evolutionary material creations are born of circular and gaseous nebula. And let me just pause just to give you some context. If you've ever seen a picture of Andromeda, you see that it's very round. What you're looking at with Andromeda is what Andronover looked like 850 billion years ago as that circular motion kept growing and growing and growing. So what you see in, in Andromeda, which is referenced in other parts of the Urantia book, is that that's actually a universe in formation. One of millions of universes, really, but it's the closest one to us. So you're looking at the birth of yet a local universe. Isn't that interesting? And that's what our Andronover creation looked like 800 billion years ago. By then, uh, Andronover creation was well-established as one of the magnificent primary nebula of Orminton. As the astronomers of nearby universes looked upon the phenomena of space, they saw very little to attract their attention. So they could we were just a speck. If you were if you were a being on another planet in Orbenton, you would and you were an astronomer. That's what they're saying. There's they're literally saying that eight hundred billion years ago there were there were beings, there were star students, there were other planets that were already in existence. And they're looking at Nebadon, in its early formation, coming out of this Andronover nebula. Just as we look at the Andromeda system today, and we can anticipate that that is eventually going to produce hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of local universes just like ours. 700 billion years ago, the Andronover system was assuming gigantic proportions, and additional physical controllers were dispatched to nine surrounding ...material creations to afford support. Nine surrounding material creations... ...and nine other creations... ...all come to aid and support... ...this this creation of a new nebula system... ...a new material system... ...which was so rapidly evolving. 600 billion years ago... ...the height of the Andernover... ...energy mobilization period was attained. The nebula had acquired its maximum of mass... At this time, a gigantic circular gas cloud in shape somewhat like a flattened spheroid. This was the early period of differential mass formation and varying revolutionary velocity. Gravity and other influences were about to begin their work of converting space gases into organized matter. The enormous nebula now began gradually to assume the spiral form and to become clearly visible to the astronomers of even distant universes. This is the natural history of most nebulae. Before they begin to throw off suns and start upon the work of the universe, building these secondary space nebulae are usually observed as spiral phenomena. The nearby star students of that faraway era, I'll say as they observed this metamorphosis of the Andronova Nebula, saw exactly what 20th century astronomers see when they turn their telescope spaceward and view the present age spiral nebula of adjacent outer space. Again, they're not referencing it specifically, but when we look at Andromeda, which is away from the central universe, it's in outer space. We're seeing what they saw with our nebula over 700 billion years ago. You see how time seems to not matter. It's almost irrelevant. If you're an eternal being, what's, what's a few hundred billion years between friends? About the time of the attainment of the maximum of mass, the gravity control of the gaseous content commenced to weaken and then ensued the stage of gas escapement. The gas streaming forth as two gigantic and distinct arms. Because we're still talking about the creation of our universe, we haven't even gotten... To the beginning of our planet. The nebula had begun to contract and increase at the rate of revolution, farther or less than uh, gravity control. The stars are starting to bubble, the soup is starting to come together. And then 500 billion years ago, the first Andronover sun was born. This blazing streak broke away from the mother gravity grasp and tore out into space on an independent adventure in the cosmos of creation. Its orbit was determined by the path of escape. Such young suns quickly become spherical and start out on their long and eventful career as the stars of space. Excepting terminal nebular nucleuses, the vast majority of Orvinson's suns have had a birth similar to what has been described. These escaping suns pass through various periods of evolution and subsequent universe service. This was also... The marking of the beginnings and the appearance of Michael of Nebadon. He appears on the scene four hundred billion years ago. I want you to think about that for a moment. Somebody asks you, "Well, how, how old do you think Jesus is?" Four hundred billion years ago, he showed up. He's having his his universe come into existence. He's preparing as well. It says the Creator, Son of Paradise, selecting the disintegrating nebula as the site of his adventure and universe building. Almost immediately, the architectural worlds of Salvington and the 100 constellation headquarters groups of planets began their construction. It required almost one million years to complete these clusters of specially created worlds. The local system headquarters planets were constructed over a period extending from that time to about five billion years ago. 300 billion years ago, the Andronover solar circuits were well established and the nebular systems were passing through a transient period of relative physical stability. About this time, the staff of Michael arrived on Salvington and the universe government of Ormiston extended physical recognition to the local universe of Nevadon. So when someone asks how old is our universe, it's 300 billion years old. 200 billion years ago, there was a a progression of contraction and condensation which resulted 100 billion years later where we see that more suns are being produced. Jumping ahead to section 4, the primary stage of nebula is circular. The secondary spiral, the tertiary stage, is that of the first sun dispersion. While the Quartan embraces the second and last cycle of sun dispersion, so this is when things really start to heat up. Because now, like like a pregnant mother, this Andronova nebula is starting to give birth. But it, does, it doesn't give birth to one sun. 75 billion years ago, this nebula had attained the height of its sun family stage. This was the apex of the first period of sun losses. The majority of, the, of these suns have since possessed themselves of extensive systems of planets, Satellites, dark islands, comets, meteors And cosmic dust clouds 50 billion years ago This first period of sun dispersion was completed The nebula was fast Finishing its third cycle of existence During which it gave origin to 876,926 sun systems But wait, we're not done 25 billion billion years ago witnessed the completion of the tertiary cycle of the nebula life and brought about the organization and relative stabilization of the far-flung starry systems derived from the parent nebula. But the process of physical contraction, increased heat production, continued in the central mass of the nebula remnant. So even after giving birth to over 876,000 suns, this nebula wasn't done yet. There was still enough nuclear mass, temperature, and energy to produce even more suns. And that's what happened. Eight billion years ago, the terminal eruption began and only the outer systems were safe at the time of such a cosmic upheaval. This is what I think they think, our current astronomers believe, is the the beginning of the Big Bang. All of the energy that we're measuring now is result from this quartant or fourth stage of of dispensation really of, of suns. So seven billion years ago witnessed the height of the Andronover terminal breakup. Six billion years ago marks the end of the terminal breakup and the birth of your son. The fifty sixth from the last of the Andronover second solar family. This final eruption ...of the nebular nucleus gave birth to 136,702 suns, most of them solitary orbs. The total number of suns and sun systems of which the Andromeda Nebula gave birth to equals 1,013,628. So when you ask, well, how, how many suns fall under the jurisdiction of Michael or Christ Michael... Over a million and thirteen thousand. That's a big universe. They also comment that although there are suns and sun systems, the number of solar systems is slightly less than the number of total suns produced. So there are a few suns that didn't result in having a solar system at all. So there are 1,013,572 solar systems just like ours. But it concludes in this section, and now the great Andronover Nebula is no more, but it lives on in the many suns and their planetary families which originated in the mother cloud of space. The final nuclear remnant of this magnificent nebula still burns with a reddish glow and continues to give forth moderate life and heat to its remnant planetary family of 165 worlds, which now revolves ...about the venerable mother of two mighty generations... ...of the monarchs of light. So the great Andronover Nebula... ...is the mother to our sun. Our sun, five billion years ago... ...was a comparatively isolated blazing orb... ...having gathered to itself... ...most of the nearby circulating matter of space... ...remnants of the recent upheaval... ...which attended its own birth. Today your sun has achieved relative stability but its eleven-and-one-half-year sunspot cycle betrays that it was a variable star in its youth. In the early days of your sun, the continued contraction and consequent gradual increase of temperature initiated tremendous convulsions on its surface. These titanic heaves required three-and-one-half days to complete a cycle of varying brightness. This variable state, this periodic pulsation, rendered your son highly responsive to certain outside influences which were to be shortly encountered. Thus was the stage of local space set for the unique origin of Monmatia, that being the name of your sun's planetary family, the solar system to which your world belongs. Less than 1% of the planetary systems of orvinson have had a similar origin. And here's what happened. 4.5 billion years ago, the enormous Angona system, this is a new system, began its approach to the neighborhood of the solitary sun, ours. The center of this great system was a dark giant of space. Now, this book was written in '34, so what they say is a dark a giant of space could refer to a black hole or a sun that has immense gravity pressure. So much so that and it even says it possesses tremendous gravity pull that even light can't ex- escape. So here's this Angona system slowly beginning to approach in the proximity of, of our own sun. and our sun, being a, a young solar orb, at moments of maximum expansion during solar pulsations, streams of gaseous material were shot out into space as gigantic solar tongues. At first, these flaming gas tongues would invariably fall back into the sun. But as Angona drew nearer and nearer, the gravity pull of the gigantic visitor became so great that these tongues of gas would break off at certain points, the roots falling back into the sun, while the outer sections would become detached to form independent bodies of matter. Solar meteorites, which immediately started to revolve about the sun, in elliptical orbits of their own. As the Angona system drew nearer, the solar extrusions grew larger and larger. More and more matter was drawn from the sun to become independent circulating bodies in surrounding space. The situation developed for about 500,000 years until Angona made its closest approach to the sun, whereupon the sun, in conjunction with one of its periodic internal convulsions, experienced a partial disruption. From opposite sides and simultaneously, enormous volumes of matter were disgorged. From the Angona side, there was drawn out a vast column of solar gases, rather pointed at both ends and markedly bulging at the center, which became permanently detached from the immediate gravity control of the sun. This is the birth of our solar system in process. You've got our sun, which is pulsating, Angona is swinging by. Solar flares out, some of them don't get recaptured by the sun. This great column of solar gases, which was thus separated from the sun, subsequently evolved into the 12 planets of the solar system. The repercussional ejection of gas from the opposite side of the sun, entitled sympathy with the extrusion of this gigantic solar system ancestor, has since condensed into the meteors and space dust of the solar system although much, very much of this matter was subsequently recaptured by solar gravity as the Angona system receded into remote space. The five inner and five outer planets soon formed a miniature from the cooling and condensing nucleuses in the less massive and tapering ends of the gigantic gravity bulge, which Angona had succeeded in detaching from the Sun, while Saturn and Jupiter were formed from the more massive and bulging central portions. The powerful gravity pull of Jupiter and Saturn early captured most of the material stolen from Angona as the retrograde motion of certain of their satellites bear witness. By the way, that's explaining retrograde motion for our scientists who are paying attention. Jupiter and Saturn being derived from the very center of the enormous column of superheated solar gases contain so much highly heated sun material, they shone with a brilliant light and emitted enormous volumes of heat. They were in reality secondary suns for a short period after their formation as separate space bodies. These two largest of the solar system planets have remained largely gaseous to this day, not even yet having cooled off to the point of complete condensation or solidification. And this continues on and explains the planet-forming era, how our world formed, it also goes into a little bit about our moon. It says that thousands of years in the future, the moon will continue to get closer and closer to the earth. And then at some point it actually will break apart. So putting things into context, I think when you think of things from the long-term perspective, you start to realize that even though we are engaged in our temporal existence, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that Life is eternal. So we're preparing for the next life. And and I want to get into that in the next chapter of these episodes because in giving thought to the time and the enormity of space, it occurs to me that the Urantia book in many ways is a preparatory document. And the thought occurred to me, and I'll close out with this, the, the Urantia book as a preparatory document, it's just showing you where everything is, how we get there, what we do, right? Uh, that's what this is, is. The Urantia book is a roadmap to the future as well as an explanation of the past. So I hope you enjoyed this brief excursion back in time to the beginnings of our universe and hence our own planet. Uh, we've got a great show coming up next time. We're going to talk with Diane Lebrecht about the upcoming Easter celebration. We'll look forward to that. Until next time, thanks for stopping by your Anchor Radio podcast. I never thought that we'd be here. We were so long on the way. Now here we are in his presence, if just for a day. What a day. Thousands of years in a day. puzzle And when the picture is done We will have grown in perfection And we will be one Only one Nothing is greater than one In the stands We are there